0: Welcome to Faith, Sermons and Studies with Pastor Joe DeVitro. This morning, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, we're going to use as our responsive reading this morning. And uh, so I'm going to allow you to read it with me here today. I'm going to let you start, and then I'll read the second verse, and you'll read the third verse this morning. Let's read together. The Bible says, Look carefully. making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, to understand what the will of the Lord is. I asked you last week, how many of you want to be wise? How many of you want to be fools? <laughs> how many you want to know what time it is? Right? Isn't it amazing? How many of you have a watch on today, or at least you use your cell phone as your watch? Right? Why do you do that? Because you want to know what time it is, right? Do you know what time we're living in? We're living in evil times. We're living in the end times. We're living in a time where it's hard to keep time. So let's ask the Lord that we use our time wisely this morning in prayer. And then we're going to jump into the scriptures. And we're going to look at this idea of redeeming your time and uh, when it comes to the area of allowing your yes to be yes, and your no to be no. So let's, let's pray together and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, thank you for the example and the perfect life of Jesus Christ that uh, you give to us in your Son. And Lord, we're constantly striving to be more like Jesus Christ, and we're asking for wisdom, we're asking for discernment, we're asking you to mold our lives and shape our lives to... Follow the example that's been given to us, to be Christ-like. And Lord, we ask, you ask, that our yes be yes as Christians, and that we spend the time that you give to us as good stewards of Jesus Christ. So Father, help us this morning to fight off the temptations that are in the world. Help our minds to be quiet just for a moment, and allow us to focus clearly on your word and your expectation for us. And thank you, Father, for the peace that passes all understanding that you give to every Christian that bears your name. So, Father, help us this hour to see you high and lifted up. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we started a five-week series called Redeeming Your Time. And um, we used the Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 passage to remind us of what the Lord really is calling for us to do. So verse 17 really throws it out there for us. Therefore, anytime you see a therefore, you have to ask what the therefore is. Therefore, right? And therefore, do not be foolish. So what is the natural inclination for man? To be foolish, right? The Bible is inferring here that our natural tendency is not to be wise, but to be foolish, which tells us in order for you to be wise, it's going to take intentional action. It's going to take you actually doing something intentionally for God so that you're not a fool, but you understand. How many want to know what God's will is for your life? Right? I don't know anybody that walks around being like, I am so glad God didn't reveal his will to me so I can just do whatever I want. Nobody says that. Nobody does. Some of you act like it maybe. But deep down inside, all our theologies know what the will of God is. We know, first of all, the will of God is not that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? We know that it's God's will for you to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because it's the logical thing for Christians to do, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. So the Bible clearly gives us God's will over and over, and it's not God's will for you to live this life in an empty way. He wants you to live this life abundantly, And he wants you to live it in in a way in which he lavishes his love on you. So in all these things, God says, in order for you to be able to do those things, you can't be foolish. You've got to be wise. If you're going to be wise, then there's some things that you need to understand. And one of them is what my will is. But in order to understand his will, you you have to know him. You know, if you want to know what drives a person, you need to know that person. What drives Tom Brady to be the the quarterback he is? I mean, after a couple million dollars, I mean, how many millions do you need to live on, right? The guy's been doing it for how long and how many millions? And it's more than money for him somehow. I think he likes the money, but there's something that drives that guy, right? What drives us? If you're a Christian, the Bible tells us what drives you is Jesus Christ. He drives you. He's the, he's the passion. He's the reason why we do what we do. So why do we, need, why do we need to study this? Why do we need to redeem our time? Because it is God's will for us to do that. If we redeem our time, then we will know what the will of the Lord is. So we're going to know what God cares about. We're going to know how to manage the things that God gave to us. So the question really comes down to this. How do we redeem time? And where can we look for an example? Well, thankfully, God's given us what? His word, right? Do you think there's any time management principles in God's word? Do you think the inventor of time may have given us some time tips? do you think it would be so far outside the realm that the Redeemer of man would not teach us how to redeem our time? Matter of fact, the Bible is very clear in telling us that Jesus Christ, who, uh, who superseded time, space, and matter as the Son of God, humbled himself and became like man and subjected himself to what? Time, space, and matter. Matter. I'm going to teach you a new phrase today. You all know about the omnipresence of Jesus, right? What does that mean? Jesus is everywhere all the time, right? But what about his unipresence? When he was on earth, he could only be in one place at one time. He walked to other cities. He walked with the disciples. He was in one place at one time doing one act. He wasn't everywhere all the time. The Father was. The Spirit was, but Jesus was not. He was in all fashion as a man. How many of you wish you could be in multiple places at the same time? Some of you are like, I feel like I am, (laughs) right? Or Pastor Joe, that's the problem. I'm trying and I can't do it. I can't keep up with the expectations that the world is placing on me. But here's the rub for the Christian. Why is the world putting the expectation on you? Why isn't Jesus Christ? putting the expectation on you. You see, when we allow the world to control our lives, we're no longer living in the spirit and in, in the truth of what God intended. So we're going to take on a lot of the characteristics of the world as Christians because we're not following the one who we're supposed to be following. The way, the truth, and the life, right? Right? So God has provided us with a perfect example in Jesus Christ to be able to learn how to manage time. The problem is many times when we think of Jesus Christ, we don't think of him in the human form. We go right to the fact that Jesus is God. But Jesus was also man. Jesus, the the beauty of what Jesus did for us is he taught us how God became man and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And Jesus was very much, man, Christmas reminds us of Jesus coming into the world as who? Man. He was bound by time, space, and matter. He was bound. He limited himself Now, were there times he showed his omniscience? Yeah, how about in the upper room with Judas? That which thou doest do, how do you know? Nobody else told him. None of the other disciples knew. How do you know? We see him use a supernatural power. He's out in the the midst of the sea and he's asleep in the bottom of the boat. The disciples wake him up and say, Jesus, we're going to perish. And what's he do? He awakens. He rebukes the wind and the seas. Everything's calm. They're immediately on shore. And you remember what the disciples asked? Who in the world is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? You know who he is? He's creator God. But you know who he also is? A guy asleep in the bottom of a boat. And if Jesus slept, how much more do you and I need to sleep? Right? If a source of all power had to take a nap, how much more are you and I going to be subject to that? And I say that a little bit in jest, but not really. Because here's the point. How many times after a busy season of ministry did Jesus go alone by himself somewhere and pray? And if Jesus had to have time where he said yes to people, and he had to have times where he said no to people, sometimes even his own family. How many of you have heard um, this paradigm God first. Family second, yourself and everything else third, right? Is that how Jesus lived? Be careful. Remember when his mother and his brothers came to him while he was in the midst of teaching? And they said, Jesus, your mother and brother and sisters are all here to see you and they want to talk to you. And what did Jesus say? No. Actually, he didn't say no. He said it this way. Who are my brothers, my sisters, and my mother? This is the kingdom of heaven. What do you say? Family's not first. God, God's ministry is first. The ministry that I'm here on earth is first right now. My physical family is actually a a, a secondary thing right now. They, They don't even exist really in this realm because what they're trying to do is stop me from being who I am and who I'm called to be because they're trying to get me to stop teaching and go home. But instead, I must do the works of my father. So he continues what? Teaching. And the family's a little bit rubbed about it, aren't they? So Jesus knew how to manage time. He knew how to make things a priority and how to make other things that seem like a priority secondary. So let's dig into Jesus' life here. Let's look into situations in Jesus' life that will help us to understand exactly how Jesus managed time. Because, I mean, after all, we can make the argument his Google Watch wasn't going off every three seconds with a text message, right? He he wasn't being pulled in every direction by his emails. He didn't walk into work every day and have 104 emails waiting for him. He didn't walk into a job every day and, and run into coworkers who were just, well, actually he did. He had high priests that he had to deal with and priests and religious people, scribes and Sadducees and He had had obstacles, he had other issues in his life that he had to deal with on a daily basis. But no, Jesus would not have had to choose between doing his quiet time and Netflix. Jesus wouldn't have had to take his time and figure out, should I be on Facebook or TikTok, or should I be actually doing the work of the Father? Jesus didn't have those kind of struggles like you and I have. But you know what he did have? Well, before I get to that, let me show you Hebrews 4.15. And remind you of this verse, because we all quote this verse, but think about this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our what? Did you know Jesus had weaknesses? Isn't that what the verse says? He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? He felt them. He was approached by them. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, but the difference between Jesus and us is what? the sin problem. He didn't sin, but he taught us how to overcome sin, didn't he? So in the process of teaching us how to overcome sin, what do you think he also taught us some other life skills? He's also equipped us then and shown us there are some other aspects of life and ministry we can take from the life of Jesus Christ, and we can begin to build a practical application of theology behind so in the person of Jesus, the word became flesh, ensuring that he could empathize with our weaknesses, including our efforts to redeem time. We see throughout the Gospels how Jesus was constantly interrupted, where his attention was demanded. Let me give you just a couple examples. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Remember this? Jesus is going to heal Jairus' daughter when he's distracted by what? A woman with an issue of blood who reaches out, grabs the bottom of his... Do you imagine you're walking along and somebody just grabs your pant leg? You're like, do, 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 Oh, who touched me? This, this happened. Somebody touches the hem of his garment and he's interrupted. Mark, Mark chapter five, verses 21 through 34. Remember I used this one last week when Jesus was teaching a house full of people and all of a sudden the roof fell off. And instead of the roof being gone, the new sunlight was nice, but what came down instead was an entire cot with a man on it. Now, could you imagine being at point three of your message and somebody just drops a medical <laughs> a medical patient in the middle of the auditorium? In the middle of the house? I would call that an interruption. Do you imagine after Jesus heals him, the guy walks out, he's like, he's like, all right, everybody, come back, let's go. Point three, remember we're point... These are real things, real things happening in Jesus' life. I don't think any of us have ever had somebody drop in from the ceiling on us in the middle of an important speech. But I'm sure it caused a lot of distraction. I'm sure it was difficult for Jesus to jump right back in and get everybody right back on the same page with him. So Jesus did deal with time management issues. Last week we saw... I gave you seven principles about Jesus managed time. And if you remember, the real overarching theme there was he actually started with the Word. He prioritized time with the Father over everything else. So today I want to give you two more time management principles. Not only being in the Word, and by the way, how many of you are on track with the uh, 30 days to go through 33 books of the New Testament? Anybody take that up on Facebook? Where you can read the entire or half of the Bible during the month of January in less than 20 minutes a day? Do it, it's easy. Man, 20 minutes, its all it takes. So let's talk about principle number two then. Let your yes be yes from the smallest commitment to the biggest commitments we make. And I would argue this, this is probably one of the worst ones where we lose our testimony with the lost. This, this is where we as Christians lose our testimony with the lost. When we tell people we're going to do something and then we don't do it. What is more disrespectful than telling somebody you'll do something and then blowing them off? You know what? We'll get together sometime. We'll have lunch and we'll talk about that. And then what do we never do? Never get together. How many of you guys remember we're trained in QBasic on computers? This is going back to the 80s, man. Q basic and basic. Larry would know this, right? There's a difference between an open loop and a closed loop when it comes to basic. A closed loop meant that the, whatever equation you gave it, it would run the process and would do it all itself. An open loop meant you would start the process and then be interrupted and have to input more information, and then it would process, and then it would interrupt itself again, and you'd have to enter more information into the process. So the difference between an open loop, it took interaction, and a closed loop, it continued to run without any interruptions, all right? When we say yes to somebody, that should be a closed loop. That should just happen. When we say yes and we don't follow through, that's an open loop. That's a process that's been broken by our sm- ourselves. An open loop spiritually talking or commitment talking makes yourself or others seem big or seem small. You see, when you tell somebody you're gonna do something and then you don't do it, how does that make the other person feel? How does it make you feel when you don't keep your commitments? And you know what begins to happen in our minds already? Noise. You know, when you have things that aren't done, it drives us crazy. Because you think about all the things that you still have to... Some of you are doing it right now. I wish Pastor Joe would end because I got lots of things to do today. I got got, got to finish this. I got to do that. I got to take down Christmas. I need to go eat. I got to meet somebody. You know what? Our brains are never silent. They're always processing something. And let me remind you of a verse that appears many places throughout the Bible. Be still and know who's God of your life. Who's God of your life? If it's God, then there's moments in your life where you should be sitting still, quiet, and simply focusing on him. Be still and, I love that phrase, that next phrase. Be still and, how much do you know today? Do you know how safe you are not at an airport? Do you know how unsafe you really are in your own house today? Do you know how many chances, how many think people plan for fires in their houses? Like, I really hope my house burns down today. I hope I don't go home, mine's burned down now. It'll sound like arson on (laughs) video. Nobody plans for those things, but they do happen. And when they happen, we say, well, you know what? It's a challenge from God to overcome this. There's some things that we can do. You know what? All through the Bible, we, we see people saying yes and no. They're making open loop or closed loop commitments. And when we're commanded to be still and know that God, that he is God, be still and know. Why is there so much insecurity with Christians today? Why is there so much insecurity with eternal things in the average Christian life today? Why is it that we don't have peace? Remember last week, we said before God gives you anything else, he says, I give you my what? Peace. Why are Christians some of the least peaceful people? Why are we the worried ones? Why are we the ones running to and fro? Why are we the ones freaking out, trying to solve all the world's problems? You realize this world is not going anywhere for 1,007 years, right? I hate to break it to you, most of you ain't going to make 100. Okay? Most of you ain't going to make 100. So 1007s you're not going to fix the world's problems, but the world has promised to be here 1,007 years. So the real question is this, what are you going to do with the time that God gave you on this earth? Because you're not going to fix world hunger. You're not going to solve. You're not going to get everybody saved. But you know what? You can get some saved. You know what? You could get some discipled. You know what? You could be a leader or you could lead people spiritually into maturity. In the church and out of the church so how are you going to redeem the time you see your life with christ is either an open loop or a closed loop if it's a closed loop then you're allowing god to speak to you and you're you're taking in the word of god and then you are allowing the word of god to work through you and out of you into other people's lives and other people then begin to grow in their walk and it's cyclical it keeps going because it's a closed loop system Open loop says this, God spoke into my life. I took it and it ends. Because now we need to inject what? More code. We need more instruction. We need to do the next step. God has called us to a closed loop system. We all have open loops. We all have miscommitments in our lives. We've all told friends that we would come to their event and then we didn't. How many have invited people to come to church and they don't come with you? Open loop, right? How many of you have promised to do something for somebody else and then didn't do it? Open loop. And you know what? We are prone to doing open loop things. Sometimes we're forgetful. Sometimes we're too busy. How many of you have ever promised your boss that you would get something completely done or get something to him by a deadline and completely spaced it? Because we're too busy. You know, in isolation, none of these seem like a big deal. However... To say you're going to do something and not do it is a much bigger deal in the eyes of God. Because it's a matter of trust. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Check this verse out. Let what you say simply be, what? Let's say it together. Yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, those aren't my words, those are God's words. Let what you say is simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. I read this in a, in a book recently. We, do we as Christians, do what we'll say we'll actually do? Do we let our yes be yes and our no be no? Ultimately, every act of faithfulness towards others is an act of faithfulness towards God himself. Through others, or though others may make commitments they have little intention of keeping, the children of God should strive to prove that their word is their bond. They do so not to win the trust or approval of others, but because they long to be like Christ. They long to hear with their ears, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So in addition to being a command of Jesus when we fail to keep our commitments, or in other words, close our open loops, You know what it makes us feel? Anxiety and stress. How many of you are anxious? How many of you have stress in your life? Usually, anxiety and stress, scientifically proven, is because you have open loops or you have open loops in your life. You don't have a closed loop system. Do you realize you can only juggle four things mentally? It's scientifically proven you can only juggle four things in your head at one time. More than four things, you'll begin to forget them. You begin to drop them. They begin to drop off the backside. And later on, you're reminded when something happens or something didn't happen, that that was one of your responsibilities. How many have ever been there? Right? You discover you're the problem. I don't know why this didn't get done. Well, Pastor, we're kind of waiting on you on that. That would have been good to know a week ago, right? Oh, I did know that a week ago. Guess what that means? I dropped the ball. That means I have to own it. I'm not gonna bore you with all the scientific details, but there's a scientific term called the, and it's Russian, the Zygernik effect. Anybody ever heard of that? The Zygernik effect? Russian Buluma Zygernik, which essentially uh, was a Russian philosopher who came up with uh, a word or a system for describing, an event in your life that's open-ended. How many of you have ever heard a song on the radio and then can't get it out of your head? Zingerneck effect. You know why you can't get it out of your head? Because you didn't hear the whole song. Usually the songs that get stuck in your head are songs that are never finished. You were in the car, you were listening to it, you shut the car off, the phone rang, something interrupted the process that you were in to where that process never closes. So you have an open loop in your brain and guess what your brain focuses on? The open loop. And you won't forget that song until you finish that song or you hear the song again and finish the song, then your brain can what? Well, it can do ELSA, right? What is ELSA known for? Let it go. go. So when your brain finishes that thought, you can finally let that go and your brain sticks it in a file folder and says, yep, that happened. Boom, and you'll remember the fact that, oh yeah, I remember that song and I finished it. That's how your brain works. The ziggernick effect. What happens when it's not a song stuck in your head, but it's an open loop thing that you promised somebody to do? It drives you crazy. It drives you insane. You know that there's a relationship problem with somebody. Instead of dealing with it, you just let it go. And you let it go. And you let it go. And you let it go. And what consumes your thinking then? That scenario. And you get caught in an open loop. It's like when you forget to pick up your prescription for the 17th time. And they've already called you three times and told you after the next time, they're going to put it back on the shelf. Open loops. Stress comes from unkept agreements with yourself and others. Stress comes from unkept agreements with yourself and others. Some of you are stressing on what time you got to be somewhere today. Why? Who put the restraints on you? Who put, who put the pinch on you? You or somebody else. You see, we create our own stress. We create our own anxiety. That's why the Bible says, don't be anxious. Who creates the anxiousness? We do. We create it because of the Zygrenik effect, because of our own undoing. But by the way, there's good news. Science also shows something else. Science shows that we don't actually close our open loops in order for our brains to let them go. There is another system. There's a system called, how many of you have a calendar? How many of you have a smartphone with a calendar on it? And you know what happens when you write something on your calendar? You know what your brain does? It lets it go. Because it's written down. There's, there's a place where you can find it. There's accountability where you can go open your calendar, you can open your day timer, you can flip in your phone and you can say, oh yeah, I got an appointment on Friday. I can't forget that I have that, right? But your brain's not consumed with it anymore, why? Because you have accountability. There's accountability and your brain can let that go. So now, what we all assess, now that we're all brain scientists, right? What does the scripture actually say when it comes to how we think? When it comes to how we manage our time and how we think? Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about what? What's anything mean? What's don't mean? Don't be anxious about what? Anything. Why? Well, Instead of being anxious, what if we all gave thanks and prayed? Do you think that would close some loops that are open in our lives? Those things that we worry about, if we were simply to cast all our care on Jesus. By the way, does he care for you? So we can cast all our care on him because he what? He he cares for us. And if he cares for us, then in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you can give your calendar, you can give your time to God, and what are the odds he'll close the loop for you? If we just take science, we don't have to be theological right here. If we just take the science for it, if I don't have to worry about it because I gave it to God, whose responsibility is it now? It's God's. So what can my mind do now? Be in torment, be anxious, or have peace? You see, God gave us the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Mighty God. He is the Everlasting Father full of grace and truth. Notice what the result is. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in who? Who? and the one you gave it to. So when you're anxious, when you're beside yourself, pray, give thanks, give it to God. It's gonna save you a ton of time. It's gonna save you a ton of misery. Pray and let your yes be yes and your no be no to reduce your stress and your anxiety. Focus on the things that really matter. Does your relationship with God matter? Then give it time. Budget time in your schedule for the things of God. Be in his word, be praying. Was Jesus in the word and praying in his ministry, in his life? Remember when he's in the temple reading from the book of Isaiah? And he says what? He closes the the scroll and says, today it's been fulfilled in your sight. Jesus was in the word. Jesus read scripture. Remember when he's at 12 years old, he's in the temple with the priest. What's he debating with them about? The scriptures. Jesus was in the scriptures. He was in his own word. Did Jesus spend time praying, asking God to do things? Let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane together. What does he pray? Not my will, but... Think about that prayer for a minute. Think about that prayer for a minute. Jesus' will and God's will were different. Isn't that what the verse says? Did Jesus want to be separated from the Father? Never happened before. Jesus was going to be cut off from the presence, the love, the power of God the Father. Not my will. Your will be done. Father, your will be done. I trust you. Paul is saying part of the solution to our anxiety and stress is simply clearing our minds and our concerns and requests. In this case, through prayer, letting it go to God. That leads me to principle number three. Let me give you this one quickly. There are times we just got to get away from the kingdom noise. There's times we just got to get away from the kingdom noise or the descent of the kingdom noise. Any of you ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis will know what that phrase means. It's part of the screw. It comes from the screw tape letters. We must fight to block out the noise and create room for silence, stillness, and reflection. Be still. Isn't that awkward? Doesn't silence feel like forever? That was five seconds. Be still and know that I am God. We live in a time of unprecedented noise. I'm not just referring to the obvious things of the news and the buzzing devices in our pockets and purses and wrists and I'm primarily concerning... Are referring to the internal noise. You sit down to do your devotions, you open up your Bible, and your brain's going a 1,000 miles an hour about what you need to do the rest of the day. You're not focusing on the Word. You got all this other stuff in your head. Talking about when you go to pray at night and you start to pray and then your mind starts wandering off to all the other things that need to happen still. Am I the only one that happens too? Are you guys that spiritual? Just... Maybe maybe I'm the weird one here. Preaching myself, I guess. You know what? Our lives are filled with noise. I challenge you today, find 10 minutes to just sit down and be quiet. Don't do anything. Don't think about what you got to do later. Don't think about what what has to happen. Just find 10 minutes today to sit down and do nothing, but be still. You know what's sad is? The world actually has us somewhat figured out. How many of you have ever seen the people that sit there with their legs crossed going, um Om. Um. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to clear their mind of the, but you can't do it without Jesus Christ. That's the problem. The world in so many ways is so close to the truth of God's word, but they need people to get them that extra step. And you have unsaved people that will dedicate an hour to sitting there going, trying to get their brain cleared out. When Jesus says, cast all your care on me, I care for you. We as Christians have the solution to the time management problems of the world. And I want us to realize that we can redeem the time in five ways here based on this idea of blocking out noise in our life. Let me give you these five practical applications, okay? Number one, we need to limit the noise so that we have the ability to think. Do you realize your most creative times come when you're alone and quiet? Doing something probably frivolous. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me in my tree stand. No, you're trying to figure out what direction the deer is coming from. You're not quiet in a tree stand. You're not quiet when you're fishing. You're sitting there, whoa, 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 stupid fish, come on, you." When we sit there, quiet. When we sit there, quiet. is when we're the most creative. It's when we're at our best. It's when we'll see God the clearest. Is when we get alone with God and allow the noise of the world to go away. Did Jesus ever do that? Absolutely, he did. All the time. As a matter of fact, after every major event that Jesus ever did, there was always a time he went alone and prayed. Matter of fact, when the the disciples were commanded to get in a boat to go to the other side without Jesus in the boat, do you remember what Jesus was doing as they were toiling in the midst of the sea? He was on a mountaintop doing what? Praying. He was alone with God. He was by himself. Number two, noise limits our ability to be creative. Your most creative times are when you're by yourself. Noise limits opportunities to be bored and thus creative. You know when we get in trouble, it's when we have time to think. You ever notice that? When you were a kid, when did you get in the most trouble? When you were bored. Because when you're bored, what's your brain doing? Trying to find something to do. Trying to find solutions to problems that don't even exist yet. Because you're going to create your own problem, right? God gives us the gift of Creativity. And he gives us time to be productive. Number three, noise limits our ability to cultivate depth. How, how many of you study best when there's like 100 people around you? How many, how many do your best work in studying and trying to memorize something with 30 people screaming all around you? It amazed me always when I would drive a school bus to watch these students at games, trying to do their homework and study for a test in the middle of a basketball game. And you know what it's constantly doing? They're like, and their earbuds are in, they're listening to music. And it's like, you're listening to something different than you're reading and you're watching something different than you're reading. I know nothing is happening right now. Nothing, they don't know what's happening in the game. They don't have a clue what their homework says and they don't have a clue what's going on around them. Nothing, they're oblivious. Too much noise. Noise limits our ability to be at peace too. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Let's go back to Philippians 4, 6 through 8 real quick. Don't be anxious in everything. But in, or in anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why do we have so much problem with mental health today? Because we're not guarding our minds. We're not giving it to the Lord. We're worrying about it. We're building anxiety about it. We're stressing out about things that we should never be stressing about because we're commanded to give it to God. But you know what? The text doesn't even stop at verse seven. There's a verse eight. Check this out. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think on these things rather than your anxiety, rather than your stress. Think on these things. God not only knew what we would stress about, but he also gave us the ability to fix it. To fix it. He gave you the ability to fix it. Paul is saying we shouldn't be anxious. Instead, we should present our problems to God in prayer and then have peace. Then have peace. We keep reading, we'll see that he makes a list of things that we should think about, things that are true. If you're watching the news today, I promise you, you're not thinking on things that are true. Okay, you got that? If you're watching the news today, I guarantee you, you're not thinking on things that are true. How much of our news is noble today? How much of our news is right today? How much of our news is pure today? How much of it's lovely? How much of it's commendable? How much, how much is excellent? So if your Christianity is feeding off of Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, Drudge Report, whatever, anything other than this book right here, you're already in trouble. Okay? Now, did Pastor Joe just say we can't watch the news? No, that's not what I said. You didn't listen. You only heard the last half because you got too much noise going on in your head. I didn't say you can't watch the news. I said, if your source of peace is gonna come from there, you're gonna miss it. You're not gonna get it. You know what? If your source of peace is gonna be your job, it's gonna be your money, it's gonna be anything other than Jesus Christ, you're going to struggle with anxiety and stress. That's what Jesus says. So don't be anxious in anything, but instead think on these things. He says, get the noise out and replace it with things that are actually real, things that actually benefit you, things that will actually change people around you, things that will change the environment around you. Do you think being different, being noble, being right, being pure, being lovely, being commendable, do you think that affects other people around you? Do you think that would be different in the world we live in? Last of all, number five. Noise limits our ability to listen to God's voice. Noise limits our ability to listen to God's voice. I think this one hurts the most. Do you realize noise is part of the enemy's intentional plan to keep you from serving God? Who creates the noise of the world? Jesus is never going to get you. (laughs) Jesus never commands you to be anxious. Jesus never commands you to be stressed out. He doesn't say thou shalt stress out over all things except for things good, noble, whatever. No. He says, if you're stressing out about these things, you're thinking wrong. You're not redeeming the time. You're not listening to the voice of God. Here's the reality. The problem is less about the noise that we allow into our minds and more about the noise that we're keeping out. Namely, our own thoughts and ability to listen to God's word. You see, the problem isn't that there's so much noise in the world. The problem is we allow the world's noise in and we keep God's noise out. I think it's important to note the difference between hearing and listening. Let me give you a definition here. Hearing, we hear God's voice when we read his word, right? Prayer is me talking to God and God's word is him talking to me. So I hear his word when I listen. But here's the thing, our quiet times often aren't very quiet, are they? You see, our brains are reading a mile a minute. We read, we study. We're quiet in the sense that we're not speaking, but our noise, or the noise of our mind is all over the place. We're still consuming, we're intaking information, but we're reading, we're studying, and we just don't feel like we hear the voice of God. How many have ever done your devotions and got done and said, I don't know what I just did. I don't have a clue what I just said. But I checked the box I got her done. So I'm just going to go on, Right? Listening, listening takes silence and reflection to discern the voice and connect the voice to the Word of God in our lives. You see, I can hear you and not listen, but I can't listen and not hear you. Right? I can hear and not listen, but I can't listen and not hear you. Silence, stillness, solitude, reflection, That's the difference between hearing God's word and listening to his voice. Be still and know that I am God. Let me show you just how many times Jesus went to a a quiet place. Luke gives us three of them back to back. Luke 4, verse 42, check this out. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him, came to him and would have kept him from leaving there. He goes by himself to a place by himself and who comes? Life's interruptions, right? Right? Luke 5.15, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. That sounds like a peaceful time, doesn't it? Luke 6.12, in those days he went into a mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. How many have had an all-night prayer visual with God? Jesus did. My favorite mention of Jesus' pursuit in solitude is when he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place to get away from the crowds, Matthew 14 and verse 13. Silence was so important to Jesus, he literally got in a boat and went out in the water just to get away. Three timeless manage- management, time management principles molded after the life of Christ. Number one, start with the word of God. Be in the Word of God. Reading the Word of God. This is why I put the challenge on Facebook. 33 books in 30 days. You can do it. 20 minutes a day reading, max. Number two, let your yes be yes. If you agree to do something, do it for the honor and glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. So do it. By the way, when we say no to spiritual things, we are harming our testimony and our usefulness for God. If God prompts you to do something, you don't do it. What is it? He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is? Think about that. Principle number three, descend from the kingdom noise. Get away, get alone, get quiet. Allow God to work in your mind. We've only scratched the surface of how Jesus redeemed his time. I hope that you're not discouraged. I hope that you feel empowered. These are things you can actually do to redeem time. These are things that are actually going to help you in your spiritual walk. Be less anxious, be less stressed, be less run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Some of you enjoy that too. Cutting chickens' heads off. But let us always remember what we learned last week. Jesus offers us peace before we do anything. So whether or not you take any one of the principles on the screen right now and apply it to your life, does not change how God views you. It affects how God uses you or how you can be used of God, but it doesn't change how God loves you. It doesn't change your position eternally, but it does affect how God will use you in this world and in this time for his glory and for the good of others. So what are you gonna do with the principles that you've learned? Three principles you can apply this week, today even, Get in the Word of God this afternoon. I know football's going to be on. I know other things are going to be on. You know what? 20 minutes you can read. If you took 20 minutes a day, tops. By the way, some days it's only eight minutes. Eight minutes to read through an entire book of the Bible. You can read through half of your Bible in the month of January. It's on Facebook. If you don't have Facebook, I can get you a picture of it. You can see how to read through a 33 books of the Bible. How many books are in the Bible? Okay, so 33 books in 30 days. There's, th- there's 31 days in January, so you even get a bonus. You got a spare day even to make it up. Some of you need it because it's day two already. <laughs> but you can read through half of the Bible in 30 days. Is God worthy of that for you? Is God worthy of your time to be in the word? If you're going to do it, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Own it before God. And then get alone, get quiet, and allow God to use it in your life. I promise you, if you do that, your spiritual life will change. Promise you, it will change. I don't even have to pray about that. I know it's a fact. It will change if you spend time in God's word, you get alone, and you begin to allow spiritual things to dictate what happens in your life. And quit hiding behind family and all this other crap that's out there in the world today that we use for ex- reasons why we can't be spiritual and why we can't do spiritual things. Because God said, above all things, I give you what? I give you peace. So if chaos is coming out of your life, who's creating it? You own it. I give you peace. I give you the ability to cast all your cares to me. I give you the ability to have peace in your life. You don't have to worry about your salvation. I've got that. I give you peace. When you got saved, you got peace. Now, get rid of the anxiety, get rid of the stress, and allow God to use your time for His glory and for the good of others. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, and I thank You for this message, Lord. I know it's a bit long, and, but there's so many truths in Your Word, Lord, that we didn't even mind these out. So much more we could do. So many more stories and illustrations we could use. Scriptures that we could use to support the narrative here. But Father, You alone are the one that that has given us these principles so that we can redeem the time because of the days we're living in are not good and lord we know that we have the truth that the world needs to hear today and lord if we begin to get the noise out of our own lives we can begin to see the noise in other people's lives and now we have something to give to them when we're at peace in our own life, we have the ability to share peace with other people. We have the ability to share principles of time with other people. And Lord, when we begin to do that, we've already begun the discipleship process. Because we begin begun to speak truth into somebody else's life for the purpose of glorifying you and for the good of them. So Father, help us to be disciples, disciple makers. Help us to be discipling people. Help us, Father, to get our own lives in a in right place to where we can have something that we can communicate to others that they want and they need. And Lord, it might start with something as silly as time management, and it could end up with something as serious as eternal life. So, Father, you help us to use these principles in our lives to glorify you for the benefit of others. And Lord, may the increase be all yours. Help us this week, Father, to live these out for your glory. Help us to have peace. Help us to cast our cares on you. Help us to, when we say yes, we actually do it. We don't mar the testimony of God. And Father, whether therefore we eat or drink, whatever we do, may we do it for your glory. In your name we pray. All God's people said. Amen.